0: Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peak and Ted Tate.
1: I got to connect up with Karen Aranya. Uh, Karen and I connected through uh, LinkedIn. Uh, which is not surprising and uh, she is from india and so we kind of connected through there as you can see i did the interview a few weeks ago i am sans mustache finally the thing was obnoxious Uh, karen has a super cool job uh, working with uh, pca on site at hershey's and so we get into corrugated packaging and uh, we also get into you know what it's like to be A student uh, coming, an international student. This was during the interview. Was recorded during some uh, pretty tense times in uh, in America when it came to what was going to happen with student visas because of COVID. So we get into all of that, and I'm super excited to share Karen's story um, and how she uh, got into the packaging industry. is kind of interesting. Her upbringing in India and then how she ended up in Pennsylvania. So here is my interview with Karen. So I'm here with. Karen Arana. Uh, Karen is at uh, she works for PCA, which is the Packaging Corporation of America, and she is the packaging engineer slash project manager for the Hershey's account. She lives in Pennsylvania. We've got a lot of fun things to cover on on this podcast. I'm excited that the timing is really interesting and what sort of finally brought us together because I think we've been talking about this for. For a few months now, so I'm glad that we could uh, take our virtual connection on LinkedIn and expand it out into a as face to face as we can get on a Zoom call. So, anyway, Karen, welcome to the People of Packaging podcast. Thanks for joining us here.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited for this, Adam.
1: Yeah, well, I think I'm I'm I might be slightly more excited to be honest because I'm really I'm, uh, I'm pumped to get into no. this. <laughs> I'm pumped <laughs> to get into this. So tell us uh, about yourself, you know, where, uh, where'd you grow up? How'd you get into packaging? How long have you been in it? Um, you know, just some basic details about your life. Your favorite Hamilton character, all the King important George. things. King George. <laughs> King tonight. George.
0: I've been listening to that song of his all day long, on repeat, while working, and I think I might just watch the musical on Disney Plus again tonight. So, yep.
1: Which one, You'll Be Back? Sorry? Which song is it that you've been Yes,
0: to? You'll Be Back.
1: That's awesome. Uh, all right, so King George and you like You'll Be Back from Hamilton. So those are two really critical things that we need to know about you. But, uh, you know, maybe some other things. Where'd you grow up and where'd you go to school and how'd you end up in Pennsylvania?
0: Okay, <laughs> long story. But I grew up in Mumbai, India. I was born there. I lived for the first 25 years of my life there. And I got into packaging there, interestingly. So, growing up, I never wanted to be an engineer just because my dad is an engineer. And for the first, you know, good couple of years of me growing up, he worked abroad in Dubai. And while I loved the amount of chocolates he would bring back every time he came, which was once every month and a half, I hated the fact that I didn't get to see my dad around a lot. And then eventually he started his own business where he started, you know, his own consultancy slash fabrication operation where he would service companies around and one of the companies he serviced was his own one of the companies he worked for earlier in his career which now became his customer but even with that even with him you know staying with us being with us physically he would still work long hours and basically that made me think that every engineer doesn't quite see their family too much so right at the outset I was like well I kinda of wanna go in science. I wanna be a scientist. I watched lot lots of Dexter's lab and a lot of cartoons growing up. I also watched a lot of Cinderella, so don't don't judge me on my you know. Like one is like, you know, this nerdy nerdy kid who's building his incredible lab and then the other one is a Disney princess. But I love cartoons through and through and I love chocolates through and through. Typical kid, right?
1: Right. Um,
0: somewhere in between, I was like, you know, I I really like science. I don't know where I'm going to fit in, but I always want, you know, dreamed of that lab coat. The white lab coat was like the aspirational dream for me. So tenth grade happens, and you know, tenth grade is a big step in India where you have to decide whether you're going into science, commerce or arts. Those are the three, like, broad choices that you have to make. And then basically from there, you're just narrowing it down further and further into the final major that you pick when you're in college. So 10th grade comes, and and I wasn't good in math. I almost failed ninth grade math. I, I passed it because of my dad, because my teacher ratted out to my dad the one time at open houses when, you know, parents need meet your teachers and the teachers basically discuss your grades with your parents. And my professor, my class teacher said, you know, she's really good in everything else. She seems like, you know, she knows what she's doing, but when it comes to math, she's not paying attention. Like, I don't know what's going on with her. And unfortunately the math teacher was my class teacher (laughs) responsible for me the last two years of school. And my dad came home that day with me and he's like, you know, this is not going to work out. Like, you have to sit and practice math every day for, for an hour and a half at the minimum. And that's really when I was like, okay, you know, there's no way around this. He's going to make me do this. I'm just going to have to suck it up and do it. And I did. And I'm thankful for it because, you know, that gave me the base to end up in engineering, even though I didn't want to be there in the first place. Then comes 12th grade. So two years later, you know, 12th grade. Now I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I want to be in engineering. And at that time, this was back in like 2004-2006 timeframe. So 12th grade was done 2006 and that was around the time everyone in India is doing computer science, IT, you know, IT was the big thing at that time.
1: Not just in India, by the way, it's, it was, it's every, I mean, that was the US too, right? I mean, that's what you just got into, yeah.
0: Yep, so it was that big IT boom and you know, everyone I knew was doing computer science, uh, computer engineering, electronics and telecommunications and information technology. That's all you heard about, you know, anyone asked around you, 90% of them were doing that. And my cousin, one of my cousins, uh, he was in Australia at the time, and they were doing, he was doing electronics and telecommunication engineering. So I was like, well, if it's good for him, and since he's my favorite cousin in my whole family, it's probably good for me too.
1: That's how most decisions get made. Who's your favorite cousin? And what does your favorite cousin do? Just do what that is. (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly, but here's the kicker. I go to this uh ad you know you're applying to you're applying to a lot of universities and a lot of different colleges at one time. You basically have a list of fifty that you can apply to, and then wherever you get shop, shortlisted depending on your grades and everything, you end up going to that college you know fees okay. and everything included. So I ended up going to one of these uh, institutions, which was a Catholic-run institution. It was an engineering college run by kind of like the church. I mean, it was the church that was kind of funding and backing that private institute. Mm -hmm. I went there for electronics and telecommunication engineering, and we met with the priest who was the principal of that institution. And he had a very simple question to ask me. He's like, why do you want to be in electronics and telecom? And I was like, well, because my cousin went and did it Uh and he thinks it's great. So I'm going to do it and it's going to be great. And he's like, I don't like that answer. Think about it over the weekend and come back and give me another answer. And otherwise you might want to rethink being in this field. And that really set me back and shocked me. I was like, that was rude. Like, what if I really want to be in electronics and telecom? Like, you know, so what if I don't have a good answer? And not that, you know, I knew anything about it. I knew zero about it. There was (laughs) no no background, no idea what it's going to entail. But because my cousin is doing it, I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. Went back home. Around the same time, uh, there was another institution. That was very close to my house, like 20 minutes from my place. They had this uh, program in printing and packaging technology, and they were starting this engineering program for the first time. So They already had a diploma for two years, but they were now uh, affiliating themselves with the University of Mumbai and starting this four-year engineering degree program. And so I got invited to the orientation of that program. And I said, you know what, what's there to lose? Like there's nothing to lose. At the end of it, I can always go back and say, I want to be in electronics and telecom. Yeah. So I went with my dad and we attended this uh, orientation program and uh, the professor there, the then director of the institution said, opening line, the man goes, I see you've, you've all worn very colorful packages. And he's saying that in refer- reference to everyone's clothes. And I was like, that is very interesting. That I is interesting. That our clothes as being, you know, packaging for people. And that was the hook. Like, that was it. I was sold right there. I was like, this is the coolest man on the planet. I don't remember the rest of his talk, but I'm sure <laughs> that, that, you know, talking about, toothpaste packaging and personal care and laundry and food and everything that it entails. But that statement has not left me till date. And unfortunately, Professor PV Narayanan, that was his name. He actually passed away a couple of days ago, maybe last week due to COVID. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: He's, I think he was like, I wanna say 79 years old, so he really lived a very good life and he's very well, very, 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 very well respected in the Indian packaging community. And he's the reason, he's one of the reasons I am here.
1: Got it, that is such a, that's such a great line too. And I've never, I've never heard anyone say that. And the minute you said it, I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. Cloth is clothing is just packaging for people. And how do we want right. to present ourselves to the world? What is it that we that we want to do? It, it, it's protective, you know, depending on where you're living, it can be right. extremely protective. Uh, and I'm sure you've experienced that when you were in, uh, when you were at RIT, uh, where, when those cold those cold Rochester yep. winters, <laughs>
0: you've got to, Yeah.
1: Like, I don't care what this looks like, I'm wearing it because it keeps me warm.
0: Um,
1: Man, that's fascinating. And I'm sorry to hear about that. That's, uh, I, I hadn't, I hadn't, uh, obviously, I hadn't heard the story and didn't know that he had passed away from COVID. So uh, that's, that's, uh, that's unfortunate to hear. Um, so then you were, you went from Mumbai where you, you studied, you got your bachelor's. I'm, is that what you ended up doing in, in packaging?
0: Yes, I did end up getting my bachelor's in engineering and packaging. And since I was from the first, class of people to graduate with that degree imagine you know me going from uh, the first year in engineering you know sophomore and then junior and senior year i had i had cohorts that were a year ahead of me right so if i was the 2006 batch there were people who were in other grades who were a year or two ahead of me and I befriended a lot of them, and a lot of these kids were computers, and IT, and electronics, and telecommunication okay. engineers. And I would, you know, go up to them and say, hey, you know, I'm from printing and packaging technology. And I would get ragged on, because why do you need an engineering degree to make boxes?
1: Right, don't you just I need a like, ruler? Come on.
0: And I was like, I don't know what to say to you guys, but you do need engineering for all of this stuff but we also didn't have too many professors like there was there was a weird semester where you know we had more classes that didn't have it's almost a little embarrassing to say but there was one class i believe where we didn't have a professor or something was going on where we had like this free time and i would just go you know roam roam around with my friends or, you know, we'd all just walk to the library and try to read whatever we could about that particular class because we knew what the syllabus was supposed to entail. So we'd, you know, go ahead and look at, I don't know, look at Wikipedia or look at the packaging encyclopedia and find whatever it was. And at that time, like back then we didn't have, I didn't have a way to explain to my uh, friends why it was so important to have engineering in packaging and i was like i don't care what you guys think right i'm i'm doing this like this is me i'm doing yeah. this and i'm going to show you that it's better to be in packaging than all of the stuff that you guys are doing because you guys are not unique like there's a billion people of you you know like computer computers were so common then everyone i knew was computers and then there was me who was this sore thumb doing packaging everyone would laugh at me saying why do you need packaging for boxes
1: right right it's funny it's funny when you said there's a a, when you said there's a billion people because as you and i have talked you know i've I've spent time and some of my dear friends are in india and i'm like i had to stop and think like (laughs) is that an exaggeration or are are there a billion people uh you know in in you know, in in this, in, cause you know, sometimes you just throw it out there like, yeah. oh, there's a billion people. And then I stopped to think and I'm like, I think I think the population, what's the population of India now? Um,
0: 1.34 billion or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: It's um, over a billion people in India, but in the world it's what, seven plus billion?
1: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, over, over a seventh of our population, world population yep. is in, in India. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, so you made it out. I, I'm curious to connect the dots between Mumbai and RIT. US. Yeah, that's
0: so what
1: another was- another
0: great story.
1: <laughs> I can't wait.
0: So, so this happens, right? I end up getting my degree in engineering and I end up getting a job. So I, inter- I did like a sh- short inter- internship with Unilever And that was also thanks to one of our professors, C.S. Shotaman, also from my school, SIES, in Mumbai. Um, That Unilever internship really paved the way for everything that happened or the choices I made from from just being a graduate in packaging to where I am today. Uh, But while I was still in college in second year, which was my sophomore year, I started really thinking about, you know, what's next? Because we started getting into uh, plastic extrusion, like all the theory classes on plastic extrusion and printing and offset printing and litho and all that good stuff. But most of this was theory. So they would sometimes take us to other companies where we could see how the process worked. But those visits were few and far between at that time so i would try to like spend hours on youtube trying to watch you know videos of printing or videos of extrusion molding or rotational molding or whatever that fun thing was at the time and uh, i really started thinking okay what's more can i do a masters in this this is really interesting i think i could be in this for the long haul but but what can i do or what more will i need to do because somewhere i felt that there was some gap some gap in that education and you know i had great professors through and through like i would go to them after hours after class and i'd have some stupid question you know i didn't i didn't quite understand this portion what were you trying to say can you explain this to me again and they have been nothing but patient with me so it's it was always you know i was always like okay maybe i need to go get my masters but then my friends, after we all graduated, a bunch of my friends from computers and IT and whatever, you know, whatever else they did, a lot of them decided to come directly to the U.S. for their master's. And I was like, yeah, that's a good option. But I want to work in packaging first before I commit myself to a master's. Right. So after that internship with Unilever where I was in the oral care category working on toothpaste and toothbrushes. Awesome. I ended up getting a job with them. And this was, so right after my internship, they didn't have a position for me. And they said, you know, sorry, we have nothing for you. Too bad. I ended up going somewhere else and started working there. And within maybe a month of me working at that place, I got two calls back from Unilever saying, hey, we have this new position in laundry. Do you want to come interview? And I interviewed and I bombed the interview and I was like, shit, there's no way I can ever go back to Unilever with a straight face because they all <laughs> didn't know the answer to whatever it was. They asked me a technical question and I didn't know. And I was like, I cannot be in packaging anymore because I didn't answer a basic question. And then, you know, couple, maybe a month later after that, I got another call and this was for personal care for the skincare part of the business. And I went in for that interview and that went great. I I kept telling myself, you know, don't, don't be afraid. I know there's going to be a VP sitting there in your interview, but you know, just try to have fun and what's the worst that's going to happen. You already have a job, Mm -hmm. you know, already working elsewhere. You already have a job. Well, I ended up getting that job finally. And uh, I had to go to my first manager who hired me, you know, two months ago. And I went to him and I said to him, look, I got a job from Unilever. I need to leave. And unfortunately or unfortunately, he had also worked for Unilever in his his career. And he had also done his master's in packaging before. So he said, look, I am going to let you go because Unilever is a great opportunity. It's a multinational company. You will have... know a global exposure being in that role but do not forget about your dream to go get your master's he's like I don't care what how much money they throw at you or how they sway you or whatever just promise me you won't forget that you had a dream to do your master's and you know if it changes to an MBA so what like no worries but don't forget that you have a dream to get your higher education done and I promised him you know promised him that, yes, I won't forget.
1: Right.
0: And the glitzy, glamorous world of Unilever skincare and worked on Vaseline and worked on Fair and Lovely, which unfortunately or fortunately is now, they changed the name to Glow and Lovely with the whole Black Lives Matter and, you know, backlash and stuff. But that's really where I learned to start working with people across the globe. You know, it was not just me working. Because I was in... Unilever's R&D uh, team that was responsible for regional packaging. So it was not just India. India was the bigger market just because of the number of people. that
1: 1.3 billion people, yeah.
0: Yeah. But then there was also smaller regions around like Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, which are smaller geographies lot less population in comparison to India. They had their small little packaging team which comprised of maybe one or two or three people. But whatever, when you're thinking about a company like Unilever, brand identity is important. So you're talking about Vaseline as a skincare, a skin lotion or a skin brand, that Vaseline logo needs to look the same in the US, in Dubai, in India, australia wherever it may be so my job was to work with the global packaging lead you know they develop something as a pilot project or you know this was the standard guidelines for the brand and then we would roll it out and execute it for our local markets so for me it was that regional market of india pakistan bangladesh sri lanka and making sure you know everything everything is happy and everything's hunky-dory in our in our geography in our region.
1: I'm sure it was really uh, it wasn't hard it was super easy to just uh, I'm just kidding that sounds like a really Tears. tough job.
0: <laughs> my feet were held to the fire I feel like every single day in that job. Yeah. That job is the reason I am where I am today and I'm so thankful for making all the mistakes I made in my first job so Fun fact: I the one mistake I made in my career was I designed a box size wrong, even after having a packaging engineering degree, because over here it's very easy where you know you say, "Hey, I want a box which is blah 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 size," or you know you give the sample to your designer and say, "Hey, I want a box for this," and so many of these need to go in this, and it's going to be four cartons in a box and he'll design it and he'll cut a sample on the CAD table and it's done. Well, there are no CAD tables or there aren't that many CAD tables in India. Hmm. If I would ask for a box sample, it would sometimes take me three weeks to get it from the supplier because the supplier would be in another part of the country and somebody would actually hand size that box for me and send it to me. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's different. It's it's fun but it's different. It's very very different.
1: Interesting. Real All right. Violence. Uh no. No, no no no. No, I'm 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 processing the uh the the lack of cad tables in India. That was like a whoa. I guess I guess I just didn't uh, I I didn't think about that. Um I do have one I don't question. Know. Sorry, I have I have a question because you mentioned Dubai a couple times. Uh, have you spent did you were you able to go to Dubai at all?
0: I have been to Dubai uh twice now. Last not so yeah, it's been twice now. The first trip was back in 2018. Okay. My family there, my mom's sister and her family and a couple cousins live there, so I spent a couple I think it was like two days between my trip. I broke my trip up I flew from JFK to Dubai and then stayed there for like two days and then flew to India. Yeah. I think it's the best. If anybody wants to know what India, what like the midpoint between India and the US is, I would recommend Dubai as the best place because you will find your Texas roadhouse, you will find your Arby's in there, but you will also find the best Indian food that's, that's literally Indian food. Like it's not Indian food. It's it's authentic Indian food. That's what yeah. I'm saying. You will find everything there.
1: And there's a there's a Shake Shack in the airport, which is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. I, although I will say that I found when I was there, um, at least at the hotel that we were at, um, a an, a rum and coke was like thirty dollars U.S. equivalent. It was alcohol was very expensive when I was in Dubai. I don't know if it's still that way, but. Um, It's such an interesting place. It's a, you're right. It's a, it's a collision of cultures that's, uh, it's, it's a really fascinating, fascinating world. Um, But we don't need to talk about Dubai a ton. We can, uh, (laughs) uh, so maybe let's, uh, so you get your master's and uh, you are, um, now you're in Pennsylvania, you're working with Hershey's, so you've got, you've worked for Unilever on, Toothpaste and personal care, and now you're with Hershey's. So you have a, a pretty cool perspective on various things. Is it all been in uh, like paperboard primarily, or or corrugated, or you've okay? So you've you've kind of run the gamut then.
0: Yeah, when I started at uh, Unilever, you know, it started with toothbrushes and right. uh, toothpaste. And that was my internship, and then it went on to personal care. So I was working on bottles, caps, aluminium tubes, plastic tubes. Notice I said aluminium, not aluminium. (laughs) That's just British English versus American English. But yeah, we had ABL tubes, we had PBL tubes, I worked on glass jars, I worked on all sorts of things, and then corrugated cases were an afterthought. Because that was tertiary packaging for me. And I, when you're working on a project like that, in, in the Unilever structure, it was basically yours a project. So you're working on everything from primary, secondary, tertiary, whatever, shrink sleeves, what, what have you, like whatever it may be, you're responsible for it. Right. Cut to Hershey, Pennsylvania. It's a lot different. Now all I do is corrugated and I never thought that it would come to it. But now I'm actually, you know, it's like a weird satisfaction where now I can go back to my friends back from college and be like, you know what? I actually make boxes.
1: <laughs> the ones who said you don't need a degree for that, you're like, yeah. no, this is I what mean, I do. I,
0: took, I did two degrees and I'm still making boxes. So there you go.
1: That's awesome. And, and are you doing... um because I don't think people realize there's, there is a lot of engineering that goes into a, a corrugated box because it's not like uh you know, UPS or FedEx or any of the LTL companies are like handling those things with a white glove. It's getting tossed and chucked and uh, you know, companies lose, I mean, millions of dollars a year on damaged products. So uh, a, the The internal protective packaging, along with the corrugated box, does require a fair amount of of engineering for sure. Uh, but I think that a lot of people that either are complaining about how they got a box and and it it you know it was like this little tiny product in this massive box, uh, <laughs> or they're complaining because it wasn't enough packaging and everything something got damaged. Um, right. So it's it's not. So are are you working, is that kind of your primary or there's the other side of corrugated, which is like, uh, you know, pop-up displays and in-store. There's even, you know, there's obviously like single face and full litholamp corrugated for retail displays. Do you kind of cover the whole gamut then?
0: Kind of sorta. So the way, so the funniest thing with Horshi was uh, I had interviewed with them for a contract position uh, through adept packaging. I shouldn't be throwing names here, but That's whatever.
1: Fine. I know adept pretty well. I know Prateek uh, and Jared. Jared, was, Jared Spencer is just on my podcast.
0: I actually uh, spoke to uh, Jennifer Margarita, who's their uh, HR person, a lot, like through my whole job hunt, which lasted, I don't know, eight, nine months, she was you know in touch with me on and off, on and off as, as they kept having you know, new and new requirements from different customers of theirs. So I had interviewed for a adept consul, a consultant yeah. engineering position with horshi and at the time, it was like a semester away from my graduation, I still had to complete my uh, project thesis before I could graduate. And they needed someone soon, so I was like, "Not gonna work out, you know, visa issues and stuff. Sorry, but maybe in the future." So, couple weeks before graduation, I wrote back to the hiring manager at Hershey saying, "Hey, you know, uh, it's a couple weeks from graduation. I'm available now. Do you have an have an open position, or do you know someone who has an open position?" And she's like, oh, you know, we're looking for an on-site for PCA. PCA is one of our suppliers and we need someone here full time. Hmm. Basically, she put me in touch with PCA saying, send your resume here and we'll see what happens. So I sent my resume there and then I think it was like the next day I got a call back saying, hey, we would like to schedule an interview. I was like, sure, okay. At this point, I have given hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of interviews. And I couldn't care less. Like at this point, I was like, I might get it. I might not get it. I don't care. I'll just do it. So it was a Friday afternoon when I got a call from our general manager for the local plant in Pittsburgh uh, for this position. And he's like, hey, do you have some time to talk? And I was a GA, a graduate assistant and a TA at RIT. And I was trying to get through, you know. All these grading, you know, the last minute scramble of grading before graduation. Sure. Because like he's graduating and the, these kids need their grades, and I'm like, you know, trying to get it done. And he calls me and he's like, Do you have time to chat? And I, I was like, This couldn't have been worse time, but okay, you know, he wants to talk to me. Let's talk. So we start talking, and you know, it was a good conversation. And I was like, eh, Whatever, you know, who knows where this is going. Then they said, Okay, we want to call you for an on-site you know face-to-face interview and i was like okay well i had another interview in new york city for the same day and something about that didn't seem right to me like something was off with the other one so i was like you know what i am not even into the other one why should i even waste my time i mean i will go to new york city because i had another friend interviewing for the same position the one in new york Mm -hmm. But then I'll take the train from there to Horshi and I'll do this interview and then, you know, like kind of manage that. So I canceled on the other one and I came here and I met my my sales rep who's like my closest coworker. He's the reason I'm here. His name is Tony. He is the most amazing person I have ever met. And he comes like you know. I was like, look, I don't have a car. Somebody's gonna have to pick me up from the train station. I don't know this place. I can take a cab, whatever. But just let me know. And they figured it all out. So he comes to the train station. He picks me up. I he's he's like, okay, you know, the general manager who who you spoke to. He's coming to you know to have dinner and stuff with us, and we can talk and then tomorrow morning you have your interview with Hershey. So I had a second interview with the Hershey hiring manager who had already spoken to me in December, right? six months earlier. So I go upstairs to my room, I drop my bag, I come back down. Tony and I sit across the table and we're talking. And this is probably like 4, 4.30 in the evening. And we speak for like four or five hours straight. And it's not... It was just a conversation that just flowed, like right. I'm talking about him. I'm talking about me. He knows about, you know, my husband, who was then my boyfriend. He knew about that. He knew about my visa situation, everything. And at that point, my parents didn't even know I was dating my boyfriend, who's now my husband. But you know, my parents didn't know about him. But this future employer heard <laughs> me, me, and I was like, this could go wrong on so many levels. <laughs> But somehow it just seemed like, you know, from the get go, it was like butter. Hmm. I think people forget that, you know, job, money, all of that is important. I'm not saying it's not, but having a team that believes in you and having a team that makes you feel like you can achieve anything in the world is the best feeling ever. so critical. I feel that.
1: That's awesome. And it's, it's, I, that really resonates with me a lot as well. Um, because I'm similarly, you know, I'm where I'm at because people believed in me and, and you know, that hearing somebody say, I trust you and, and having that connection and somebody who is empathetic, uh, just to who you are and what you value and want, it takes the time to learn and listen is, is, I don't want to say that there's no amount of money because I, I'm sure that I could tolerate a bad job for millions of dollars. But at some point in time, that the amount of time is really small uh, over over the long haul. So that's uh, that's cool, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we tag Tony because he's the coolest person ever. So we have to tag him in this interview. You're
0: gonna have to tag every person on my team because they're the coolest people. I ever. can't
1: wait. Let's do it. Uh, so yes, you mentioned. Let's do
0: a- PCA interview with like my whole team on it.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm totally down for that. Um, <laughs> I love. I think it's such a fun dynamic having a lot of people on a podcast. I think it could be really yep. fun. Um, only if I'm allowed to come to Hershey, PA, though, and we can just do it live.
0: The park is open too. So,
1: <laughs> well, wait. We'll give we'll give COVID some time to
0: yeah. Have, for we'll, sure,
1: we'll wait till there's some sort of. Uh, some sort of
0: semblance of normalcy.
1: Something. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned this a couple times and part of the reason that we had finally connected, and I want to make sure, because we're, we're kind of coming a little bit close on time. So I I just want to make sure that we talk about this because this is, it's, it's important. I know it's important to you. You know, you mentioned, well, when I was talking with Tony, he knew about my visa status and um, we had reconnected uh through LinkedIn through uh, a shared post that you had said about um, you know, the the status of of students who are here on visas and what that would have meant to you had you been here. And and not not it wasn't like, oh, this is right or this is wrong. It was more just like I feel like I really resonate with what a student is probably going through right now. So um you know I wanted to give you some room to to talk through that because i've never I've never lived that you know i I grew up in Colorado, so I've never had to live what that feeling might be like and um you know it's it's important for our industry because we do have a lot of students who come here from internationally to study in the u s whether for a bachelor's or for a master's to to study packaging so um you know maybe I want to give you some room to sort of talk through. Your, your post and then just kind of some of your feelings um, on that and kind of give you a platform to share about that.
0: Sure, so I mean, when you think about anybody who's leaving their home country to go study in any other country, there are a lot of restrictions. Like automatically, it's not just they pick their bags and they come, there's a lot of planning, you know. You have to, loans are a big deal. Like in India, if anybody was taking a loan to be doing their master's, the the loan rate of interest is like 14-15% in India. So try to, try to think about, you know, what it would cost overall, like dollar amount wise, and then add that kind of interest. So a lot of students, just all, all they want to do is survive, right? They just want to get their master's. They want to get a good job. Everyone just wants to be doing the best they can in life. And what happens is a lot of people don't realize within, if you are doing a STEM major, which packaging is a STEM major, yep. Uh, you are allowed to do what's called curricular practical training that you can, it's like an internship. So you get a year, you can't use the whole year. You have 365 days-ish to do an internship. So you can break it into like, Three months internship or six months and do two, six months back to back or do six months now and then do six months after a year, or whatever it may be. And for that, the company that's hiring you doesn't need to do anything special. I mean, as long as they have e verify and they can verify, you know, the information and make sure that, you know, you're employable, you're not on some weird criminal list or any of that, you're good to go. So my, my urge to, businesses in packaging whether they're big companies or small is at least give students an opportunity to do an internship with you because it might not mean anything to you but a lot of these students are great they're probably the cream of the crop they're probably one of the best from their own countries and you're getting the pick of the best without having to do you know anything crazy so remember, if it's an internship, you really probably don't need to do much. The school is already taking care of it with the paperwork and stuff. All you need to do is be able to e-verify that person and, and you're good to go. I don't even think there's like any fee or anything of that sort. After schooling is done, you, there's something called optional practical training. Okay. Something where, you know, and again, it has to be in the field that you're majoring in. You can't be a computer engineer and then go try to be a chef. That's not going to work out. But if you're in packaging and, you know, your major is packaging, you want to work in packaging, optional practical training is another thing that kind of the school takes care of. So all you need to do is just the student needs to have their documents in order. And you can hire them for a year out of school nothing nothing crazy you know there might be some regular paperwork that needs to be done but it's not it's not difficult trust me and then after the one year they're even allowed to extend it for another year with opt stem so you know essentially you're getting someone for two years after that you can plan on applying for their h1b visa but it's always better to apply for it first because H one B visa gives you three opportunities. So you have three chances to be picked in the H1B and H1B is a lottery system. So irrespective of how good you are, you need God and luck on your side. Because if, that, if that's not on your side, then you're, if you miss your chance, the first year, you apply for the second year. If you miss it the second year, you apply for the third year. If you miss it the third year, you're going back home. Wow. So it is stressful for international students. They would love for someone to give them a chance, you know, irrespective of good or bad policies. The policies are policies. I would just say to big companies, if you can do it, do it. Because packaging is a small industry. It's hard to find people who have the right skill set. And if you really can't find someone in America who's a citizen who can fulfill your needs, then there's a whole whole array or a whole other group of talent that's in your country right now who are ready to work, who have the skills you need. It's yeah. only a matter of making sure. I would recommend making sure that you have a good lawyer or an attorney who knows their stuff because it might be six, $7,000 that you might have to spend on this person. But here's the other thing. If you apply for someone, they're going to be with you three years. And turnover rate is going to, the risk on turnover is there. Like that's the risk of doing business, right? If mm-hmm. Whether you hire someone who's a U.S. citizen or whether you hire an international student. If they don't like the job and if they find something better, they're probably going to leave. I just call it the risk of business. But if you apply for them, you're just helping them stay in that position and give them the stability they really need. Because tomorrow, they don't know what's going to happen. I am still living in this rented house from three years ago because I wasn't sure what was going to happen with my H-1B. Now it's a different story because I'm married to an American citizen and people are like, Oh, you know, now you're married to an American. So you're an American too, right? you got your citizenship. And I'm like, guys, that's not how it works, works no. for a green card. And then that process is like another two years and then they renew it again. So it's complex. Like even when I joined H1B, I don't think my company quite at least the people I was working with quite understood what was required to be done. Hmm. And so, Actually, my manager was like, hey, you know, do you mind going to, like, a local attorney in Hershey, in the Hershey area and finding out what needs to be done? And we'll support you, you know, monetarily and all that, but just find out. So we went to this attorney, and the attorney was like, okay, you know, give me all your papers. And then a month later, he comes back and says, oh, I don't have time to work on your case. Now, the good part was PCA is a big enough company where internally, you know, my manager spoke to the general counsel in the company. He put us in contact with this really good attorney. And they did all my paperwork and everything was great. I'm so thankful to them because then I got picked. In my first attempt in an H-1B, I got picked and I got my visa. Yeah. And after, I was like, Whew, <laughs> Like, oh my God. Now I can do all these other things because still then everything for me was on hold like I basically put my life on hold because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow
1: right and and it seems like even now you know with this this uh you know so you add in all of these complications um and and I agree I I don't know enough about international immigration policy to state definitively nor is this the place to do it, it what is right and what is wrong about the process But just, you know, as you describe that, it's like, oh my gosh. And then you throw on top of that, this idea that, um, is being floated around, which is if you are in a, in a university and you're here on a, on a student visa and your classes go online, if you're at Harvard, you may have to go study in your, in your home country. And so it's like, it's like, man, what, what do you do? You know, what do you do with that? Uh, that whole, you know, that when you talk about uncertainty, it's like, we, we all, I mean, it's, it's easy, it was, it's always been easy for me from a certainty perspective because, you know, I had, I had a, a safety net with my family. You know, I'm already an American citizen. It's the wealthiest country in the history of the earth. And, you know, you just sort of feel like there's always gonna be opportunities. And it's been interesting to watch sort of what COVID has done which is removed certainty from people who are used to always having it and then it's created complexity for for other for other folks so um, that's that's a tremendous amount of insight uh, on on the process I, I learned I know I learned a ton so I, I have two more questions actually it'll be three questions before we wrap up and we'll kind of do them rapid fire so we got okay. like, we got like three or four minutes. this has been fantastic though I've learned a ton. Um, Especially that I can now tie my love and my affinity for sneakers to packaging as, uh, as my foot packaging. That's what I'm going to start calling my nice. sneakers collection.
0: Nice. <laughs> I love it.
1: Uh, okay, so um, I think you've given some really incredible advice uh, it just intrinsically to people who are young, which is uh, you know, work with the chip on your shoulder, get into packaging, and show everybody how awesome it is.
0: That's... Yeah, I was earning three times the highest salary that was in the college at that time, you know, when I was hired on Unilever, like everyone else was, IT was earning a third of what I was doing when I was hired in Unilever. And I was like, fresh out of college, no background, no experience. Yep.
1: Package. Yeah, deal with that. Deal with that, uh, IT professionals. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a great industry. It's stable. It's, uh, it's not change. I mean, it's changing. But it's dynamic, but it's also not really going anywhere um, in terms of it's it's it can it can withstand a recession uh, pretty well. So it's awesome. Um, so let's dig into the second question, which is you've dealt with you've been at Unilever and Hershey's and you're with Corrugate and all these things. So you have a broad range to pick from this question. But if if you can sort of solve a problem within packaging and, and you could stick with corrugated or you can venture off into whatever you want to but what's the thing you you're given the 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 magic power wand of packaging and you can fix anything what would it be
0: I think it would mostly be it was it would have been food packaging for me if you would have asked me when I was going to school the very first time for my engineering and I kind of still feel that way because I think when you think about food, it's not just food spoilage, which is a big problem in India. In the US, it's the opposite problem. It's food-based
1: It
0: It's still revolve around food. It has nothing to do with corrugated or material-specific. I love everyone's, you know, everyone's favorite key phrase is sustainability. But when you really think sustainability, I think of the coconut tree. Because coconut tree in India is called Kalpavriksha, which literally means every part of the tree can be used for something.
1: Hmm.
0: That really is what packaging is all about, is trying to be as optimal with your use of materials as possible. I so love I think, that. Yeah. How, do you,
1: how do you say, what, what's the is it in Hindi? Is that what?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's Hindi or Sanskrit, which is the root language, mm-hmm. but it's a vriksha, is tree, okay. and you know so basically it's that
1: that's awesome uh and th- i mean that's uh it's it's so it's so timely for me so i'm i'm in the process of preparing this tedx talk about packaging and my ted talk is uh is is in general and it's actually still kind of working out but in general it's about how packaging is this incredible industry and one of the examples is food spoilage and food waste, how that contributes to so many global problems from you know, not just starvation and poverty, but also climate change and carbon emissions yes. and all that stuff, so. Um, Absolutely. All right, well, uh, Karen, this has been, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Is it LinkedIn, email, uh, carrier pigeons?
0: Uh, LinkedIn would be the safest. But I am one of those people who is very weird about, you know, don't just send me a LinkedIn request. Try, tell me why you want to connect with me. Like send me a note, you know, even if it's just, Hey, I heard you on this podcast and it was great. Or, you know, what you said was wrong and we need to debate about this. Like, (laughs) let me know. (laughs) Tell me.
1: I love it. Yeah. I don't know how many, I mean, it's, I've, I've, I've been a little I've been fairly outspoken about this, like just it's it doesn't it's minimal effort to type a note. I mean, we're not we're not asked. I'm not asking you to put together a dissertation.
0: Exactly.
1: just a (laughs) sentence would be great. Like you don't even want to go that far. It's it's crazy.
0: I just Uh, need to know you're not a bot at the other end of the screen.
1: Right. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Uh, Karen thank you so much Uh, we're recording this on a Friday it's Friday evening and so I hope that you have uh, an incredible weekend and uh, this is it's been a great interview I'm excited to uh, get this out there you've dropped some incredible knowledge about coconut trees and clothing and food and (laughs) visas and immigration and packaging and uh, it's been awesome so I really appreciate it thank you so much
0: thanks Adam